0: Well, oh, that took a while, but I got them all done.
1: Hang on. No, I think I think we missed one. Did we? Where? Yeah, oh, yeah.
0: Oh, open the box again. Let's have a look.
1: Let's have a look. Yeah. Yeah. These eBay sellers really now to wrap up a box. <clears throat> yeah, let's have a look. Oh, yeah, you missed the PlayStation, are you?
0: PlayStation? Yeah. Ah, saw that. I'm not going back.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Waffling Tailors, Um, I am one of the hosts.
0: (laughs) Come on, I didn't do a last episode, I've got to do one at least. You've got to let the demons out every now and again, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, uh, before I was uh, ever so slightly gastronomically uh, interrupted, (laughs) I am Jay and with me as always is Squidgy. Squidgy, how are you, Squidgy? You got it wrong again. Okay. Squidgy, hello, Squidgy, how are you, Squidgy? Hello, Squidgey. Hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. Fantastic. Okay. So yes. it's all there. Uh, <laughs> we, we already have. Um, what you don't realise, listeners, is we've already cut out forty five minutes of us just saying hello, Squidgy, to each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I needed a drink and my throat was starting to hurt after that.
1: Yes, exactly. fun. Oh fun, yeah, definitely.
0: But not fun to listen to. Yes,
1: Um, but what we thought we'd do is in the previous episode, uh, check the link in your podcatcher show notes for a link to that, um, is we talked about uh, what we would do if we had an unlimited budget for licensing games for swapping out the titles on the Mega Drive Mini. Now, what I thought we could do based entirely on an episode of Arcade Attack that was recorded but not released until very recently what happened was they recorded an episode as soon as the PlayStation Classic was announced saying, these are the titles that we think will be on there and titles that make sense would to be on there. And they got a number of them right, but also a large portion of them were more like misses than hits not that they got it wrong it's just it was their opinion of the titles that they'd like to see on there right so mm-hmm. what we've decided to do is wait until after that came out so that i could steal an idea from them i mean get an idea <laughs> for an episode and um inspiration it's inspiration yeah right inspired by it's not uh, it's not stolen from it's inspired by in the same way that star wars was inspired by hidden fortress it's not mm-hmm. it's definitely not a remake of it it's not stolen from it it's inspired by right hmm yeah. Anyway, yes. Anyway, yes. So what we've done is we've decided we each went away and looked at the games that are available on the PlayStation Classic uh, UK release, and talked about which games we like. We're going to talk about which games we like, which games we would keep on our on our machines if we were to if we were in charge of again that unlimited licensing budget. What we would swap out if we could swap anything out. Um, it, it has been since the PlayStation was uh, the PlayStation Classic was released. It has been pointed out that it is ridiculously easy to swap the games out because it's just running a Linux kernel and mm. and, and although the entire system is encrypted, the decryption key is stored next to the system. So that's mm. like if you lock your door and leave the key in the door for anyone mm. walking past to open the door with. You know, it's it's technically locked, but anyone okay. can walk it.
0: So Sorry. the first thing I'd do, if I had a limited budget, is I'd swap out what it uses as a poor excuse for hardware <laughs> and put in a SNES Classic that runs at full frame rate. Mm-hmm. That doesn't slow down like the PS1 Classic does because exactly. some of the games are abysmal. They, they run... It's just abysmal. It really it's, is.
1: It's a strange situation because it's a mixture of the hardware and the actual software. So there's nothing wrong with the actual... Emulator, The emulator that runs these games. So the difference between the Nintendo and the Sega ones and Sony is that each game has its own emulator. So then the emulator is tuned specifically for that game, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the Sony one, it uses a very good open source and free-to-use emulator called PCSX Rearmed. Now, the rearmed bit means that it's been rebuilt for ARM... Uh, CPUs. ARM CPUs are different to the type of CPUs you'll find in your laptop or your PC for a whole bunch of technical reasons I won't go into, but you, you know, it's an exercise to the reader or listener to go look into that. It's essentially the, the all all cpus have instruction sets add this number subtract that number do this maths do this do this do this ARM are all about reducing the potential number of instructions the cpu can understand and therefore making the structure the hardware of it simpler which means it uses less power which means it's cheaper yeah and arm processors are brilliant um i have a number of raspberry pi's about my house and each one of them has an arm processor in it the um the, the iPads all have ARM process, or, or at least ARM based ARM processors in it. My mm. RG350 has an ARM processor in it. My GPDXD, which I gave to Squidge, Sony mm. now has two, has an ARM based processor in it. I believe, um, a number of routers have ARM based processors in them. They are really good. The problem is that Sony picked a not very good one for their PlayStation mm. Classic. Now, whether that's because all of these games are available on the PlayStation Network and they're, therefore you're less likely to buy them, or whether it's just because they wanted to get something out really quickly to, as like a cash grab,
0: I don't know. It's probably the second one.
1: Mm. because
0: some of these are available on the PlayStation Network. Exactly. Um, and then you
1: combine that with, um, regardless of where you buy the PlayStation Classic in the world, like if you buy an American one, a Japanese one or a British one, or rather a UK one, some of the games are PAL games and some of the games are NTSC games. Now, the big difference for that is the the NTSC games play slightly faster because they run at 60 hertz or 60 frames a second, whereas the PlayStation PAL ones run at 50 hertz or 50 frames a second. And the best example of what this is, uh, of, of how that is different, is to look at how Sonic the Hedgehog on the Mega Drive played in the States versus how it played on... In the UK, And there were hundreds of videos. Just hit YouTube. I'll probably embed one in the uh, show notes all about Mm -hmm. the the difference in speed between the PlayStation, uh, between the PAL Sonic the Hedgehog and the NTSC Sonic the Hedgehog. And it's night and day. It's ridiculous. Um, But yeah, so just as Squidge says, you know, the hardware inside of the Sony PlayStation Classic is abysmal. But then it's combined with one emulator that isn't very well tuned. The emulator itself is really good. But like I say, it's not been tuned to run these games specifically. And then on top of that, the different regions for the games, which is just it doesn't make sense where they've done that. Um, mm-hmm. And folks who have actually cracked open their PlayStation Classic and poked around in the file system have realized that the, the files for the games, the ISO files, are just ones that were downloaded from a ROM site. So it's yeah. not even like... Technically, they're not really kosher, but because the companies that made the games have signed off on it, it makes them kosher. It's this weird licensing uh, situation. Mm. But that being said, what you can actually do with a SNES Classic is because the SNES Classic is is a Linux machine too, you can install PSX rearmed, PCSX rearmed on there, sorry, and it will run the PlayStation games at a higher frame rate with more accurate emulation than the PlayStation Classic will. So yeah, Squidge is completely right there. If you swap the PlayStation classic for a SNES classic and install a, a, a PlayStation emulator on there, you're good. You're good to go.
0: I mean, you yeah, know, I could do that, but why would I do that when I've got my own little arcade cabinet?
1: That's very true. And, and why would you do that? If you know how to set up like a Raspberry Pi or something similar, but again, mm. it's, it's, it's all about that, um, the aesthetic, you know, i I push a button on this thing that pretends to be a PlayStation and on it comes. And I've got the whole, the, the experience of it's a PlayStation. It makes the PlayStation sound when I turn it on. It's got Mm. the, the Explorer that is similar. I pick a game and it just, it feels like a PlayStation rather than, oh, this is my Raspberry Pi and I'm playing it with a PlayStation 4 controller and it doesn't really feel that way, you know? Mm.
0: And also you've got the added bonus of, you know, it's, 40 quotes runs like a PS1, but you've got all these games that are already installed on the hard drive, so you don't have to swap out disks and make sure your, your memory card's got enough room. being in my existence back in the day,
1: exactly. You don't have to worry about memory st- uh, memory cards either because they have uh, they, the operation of those is sort of built in because of how the emulator works. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about anything really, it's just push a button and play a game.
0: You can have a memory card that's bigger than a PS2 memory card working in a PS1, mind blown. <laughs> Yeah, more than 8 megs, Of exactly, memory, yeah. for your safe games.
1: So, yeah, um, so what we're going to do, like we did with the Mega Drive one, is, like I said, we're going to go through the list and discuss the games and then see if there are any that we'd swap it out for. Um, so I guess, Squidge, if you're ready to go, should we start with the first one? Let's do it. All right. So, uh, Battle Arena Toshinden.
0: Coming straight out of the gate saying Battle Arena Toshinden, or however the hell you pronounce it, is a really good game. It's a really solid fighter, but I'd switch it out straight away. Mm. And I defy you, once I say the name of this, not to have the intro going in your head.
1: I know exactly what you're going to swap it out Soul for. Soul
0: Blade. Yes.
1: yes, Soul Blade, Soul Urgh. Yes, what a game.
0: Still, I might add, between me Jay and all of my friends still undefeated playing as Tacky, <laughs> I might add, even when I had a s- tiny slither of health left yep. in one fight.
1: So I would say check the show notes, because I'll figure out which episode we talked about that. We talked with G about it, about when Storm and Norman came around and Squidge beat him several times over and then retired from the game because he thought that, that he could... Spamming one button. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's all you was it was you that was spamming the
0: one button, wasn't it? No, no, he was spamming the oh, one sorry, button yeah. and he went through a load of people. I refused to play. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of I went, Okay, I'll play. And he was he was getting, he was all cocky and yeah, I can beat you. And he was playing as Cassandra, I think. It was a mm-hmm. three it was a game on the three sixty. I took my three sixty round to G.Cu hashtag Doc Me Audrey's house. And I sort of sat there and he went Cassandra and I waited, because you got like ten seconds to choose your character. And the last second I chose tacking from across the room, Jay went, Oh, he's going down. And that was it. And I let him win the first match. No, he won the first match. I won the second. And it was best out of three. And he was spamming the same button, the same button. I had the tiniest slither of health left. And then I saw an opening. And then my fingers just went into autopilot. And I kicked the living out of him. To a point where I said, oh, I'll play someone else. And I went, nope, I'm retiring as the champion. And that was it. And it whammed him up. I'm just retiring as the champion. No, I'm good. Thank you. I'm fine. (laughs) Retired undefeated. You can't do that. Yes, I can.
1: (laughs) Excuse me. I'll point out that that the song, The Edge of Soul, which is the intro to Soul Edge, Soul Blade, Uh, is by a singer called Susie Kim. And it is absolutely amazing. There has yet to be a, a single intro song for a video game that is a fighter game that is as good at setting up the entire sort of, feeling of the game, the the aesthetic, the what you should expect to play this game. And oh. I defy you all to listen to that and not be even vaguely excited by it. You're all going to be joining in and air guitaring and waving your arms around as if you sat behind a drum kit. I
0: guarantee it. It's You can either listen to the game version or the full track version. Either way, yeah. it's awesome. And I actually listened to that live and... <laughs> The minute it starts, Goosebumps.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The like the snippet of it that's used in the intro is amazing. But the full song is even better. It like yeah. dials up to eleven. It's amazing. But then it, and then, you know, the game itself, the fighting game itself, is amazing. I keep saying amazing, but it really is.
0: I, I took the longest time to learn how to all the moves for like tacking and putting on different difficulties so I can get used to different levels of skill fighting me i even got to a point where i learned how to beat people when your weapon's destroyed because mm-hmm. in soul blade you've got a, a weapon health meter and if you block too much your weapon gets destroyed and then you just yeah unarmed combat and i took the time to actually learn the move sets in the unarmed combat as well mm-hmm. so tacky is my main go-to whenever i play a soul game because her moveset hasn't changed that much over all of them Soul, soul, soul Blade, Soul Calibur. It hasn't changed that much, so I can just pick up a pad, you know, and just yeah. go for it. Excellent. I, that, that isn't an open call to say fight me, bro, but I'm just <laughs> saying I'm, I'm pretty competent playing this tacky all these years later.
1: What's great yeah. about it is it's brilliant to play as a single player in that arcade style with the endings for each character and different characters having slightly different endings if you push certain buttons during the ending. So they're kind of interactive. But also there's the... Um, is it the soul, the the legend mode, or something where you could like, there's a story behind it, and each person you beat gives you a different weapon, and you pick the different weapons to take on different people, and there are lots of challenges yeah. and stuff. Brilliant, absolutely.
0: Although the other weapons you get, they're not really useful. They're good for in the main game where you you them, you unlock, unlock them, unlock them in the story mode, and then you could have different weapons in the the arcade mode of it, but there's no real point.
1: Exactly, yeah. Stick so, what you got. So yeah, Soul Edge, Soul Blade, depending on where you are in the world, definitely swap out Battle Arena Toshiden for Soul Edge. We both agreed on that one completely.
0: Don't get me wrong, Battle Arena Toshiden is a really technical and fun game to play, but it can't beat Soul Blade. It just can't. Not for PS1 fighting games, it just can't.
1: Yep. So next on the list is Cool Borders 2. I keep it. Okay, you're keeping it. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so I've decided to get rid of it. Uh um, oh, Only because, as good as snowboarding is, don't get me wrong, it's a fun game. You know, snowboarding is a fun game to play. But Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two.
0: <laughs> what do you mean the first stage that we can both get hundred percent on in yeah, one fell yeah. swoop? Exactly. Because that's the only stage we played.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's the only stage I have practice on. But yeah, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, the choice of characters, to, well, people to play as, because they, they're not really characters, they are real people. Including, once you've unlocked him, Spider-Man again, the second episode on a row where Spider-Man is a hidden character in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you could build your own skate parks, the the soundtrack, all of it. Brilliant. Genius. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Happily swap out Gold Borders 2 for t- Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2
0: i keep Cool Borders too because I'm more partial to snowboarding games. On top of the fact where I think the second one, you could unlock Leon, Claire and a zombie as um, snowboarders from Resident Evil 2. Okay. I, I think it was the second one. Whichever one it was, if it's not the second one, I'll swap out for that.
1: <laughs> okay, that's that's cool. That's cool. Uh, yes, Resident Evil 2 characters on get, um, Cool Borders too. So you're okay with keeping Cool Borders too? I'm saying get rid of it, get rid of, get rid of it, and have Tony Oxbrus get a 2. Yep. Next one on the list, Destruction Derby. I'd swap that. See, I'm in the same boat, but the reason I would swap it, right, is that the PlayStation Classic outputs at 720p. The original PlayStation was 320 by 240 pixels. <laughs> so you're saying three 720? That's two and a half times more resolution than the original destruction derby that game Mm. is not going to look pretty
0: so what are you going to swap it out for
1: so as fun as destruction derby is it's not so great in stretching 720 i'm going to swap it for driver two (music) not
0: the first driver because when no one got by the test at the beginning
1: that's it very few people got through the tutorial stage uh, the yeah, driver too. Um, it, it had areas that you could you could get out the car if you wanted to. It was, I believe, San Francisco and Havana. So you had that choice once you were onto disc two. It had a stunt driving mode. It yeah. had um, like a movie mode, like a director's mode. You could film. You could drive about a bit and then hit pause and put cameras in places, and it would show you what that would look like if you were like a director of. Starts gain hutch and stuff like that. It was mm-hmm. really good. Really, really enjoyed that game. So what are you doing, Scrinch? You've said you'll get rid of it.
0: I just changed it for Destruction Derby Raw. Mm-hmm. The third in the timeline and it had it had a, the the tracks you could use were a lot more fun. One of my favourite ones was there was a track that was basically a figure of eight. And um, you could go, you do the figure of eight and the the, yep. the second time you crossed, there was a ramp. And what I mm-hmm. used to do was I used to time it and not go across the ramp really fast and just drop <laughs> in front of the other card so it'd send them flipping. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Destruction Derby Raw, I did like that one more than the first one. That was the third in the timeline, I believe. Okay. So yeah. the,
1: the next game in the list is one that could potentially, depending on what we both say, get us some ire from not only lulu but also dylan from arcade attack because in their playstation episode dylan had said final fantasy 7 is the greatest game in the world that has ever been made even though some people tell me that final fantasy 8 is better and they're wrong i'm sorry waffling taylor's so
0: uh, hang on just to defend myself there i never said final fantasy 7 was the best game ever <laughs> i believe i said final fantasy IX was mm. i didn't say 8 I 7, I said 9. So that comment was directed at you and Lulu, not me.
1: Oh, d- yeah, it was definitely directed directly, directly <laughs> at me. It's, it's that simple. <laughs> Only because like 7 was unfinished, 8 was finished, 8 had a more aggressive storyline because, it came, again, it's a perfect storm. It came out at the time when I hit puberty. I became a teenager. I started asking questions about who I am, what's going on, and the similar things that are going on with the characters in the game. Who am I? What's going on? Where is my place in the world? Totally get it. Mm-hmm. But yes, so Final
0: Fantasy VII, Squidge, what would you do? Keep it. Classic. Would not touch it at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? After everything that I've just said there, I'm going to agree with you completely. I'm going to keep that one.
0: Um, because, it's just because you don't want Lulu throttling
1: you in it. <laughs> no, no, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> when I've played Final Fantasy VII again on emulators, not on a piece, like, there's, there's a difference between... I'm going to fire up an emulator on my computer or with my RG350 and play the game versus I'm going to sit down in front of the TV and push a button on something that looks like a PlayStation and have a PlayStation controller in my hand and play Mm. it. There's a real difference there. It's the experience of playing it. And I can play a lot more with an actual PlayStation controller in front of a TV having just pushed a button on the PlayStation. So, yeah, happily keep that.
0: Mm.
1: Happily. So then next on the list is... The game that started the thievery empire, as we know it, of video games. The the thievery empire video game series, as we know it, Grand Theft Auto.
0: I'm not going to get into anything surrounding this game because I could be here for hours. But despite the fact I couldn't really control it Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what the the hell I was doing, I'd keep it on there just for nostalgia's sake.
1: Okay. So I feel like I need to point out to the youngsters or the people who didn't play the first three or four games in the series. Although, Grand Theft two. Well, no, Grand Theft Auto 3 was actually the fourth game in the series.
0: Uh, it, was in it was London, wasn't we?
1: Yeah, Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto 2, Grand Theft Auto London, and then Grand Theft Auto 3. So for those who hadn't played the first three of the titles, or at least three chronologically, they were top-down, pixelated Uh, top-down pixel art games that you know you still did the same sort of missions you still stole the cars and run down people and get loads of money that way but it was very much a case of a top-down pixel art game versus a fully 3d over-the-shoulder sort of run around open world game Mm. but that being said i would keep it because you know the originals were fun to play as much as so if if you were to ask me which is the best Grand Theft Auto in the series, I will always answer Vice City.
0: Same Um, here.
1: Whether that's because it's just literally Scarface, the video game, but like before Scarface, the video game came out and better, um, or Mm. whether it's because it's that 80s aesthetic or what, there's just something about it that's just brilliant. But yes, I would say Grand Theft Auto on the PlayStation Classic, keep that, definitely. Mm-hmm. So we've both said to keep that. So the next game had two different titles. Now, I knew this one as Kurushi because that's what it was called on the, on the demo, demo disc or whatever that we had it on. Um, mm. But it's also known as Intelligent Cube. Mm. So how would you feel about this one, Squidge? Would you keep this one? Would you swap it out? What are you doing?
0: I'd probably keep it. Um, I wouldn't play it because the only person I know that I could actually play that is you. <laughs> I get squished a lot. It's, I'll, I'll be honest, the game has got nothing to do with intelligence. Mm. <laughs> it's a guy trying to get rid of cubes so that he doesn't get crushed to death. Yeah. That's essentially it, on a platform that you've only got a finite amount of room to move on. Yeah.
1: You see, I thought it was a fun game. I talked in the previous episode about I don't like the po- uh, puzzle games sometimes. But this was a perfect puzzle game. It didn't ask too much of you. You didn't have to really pay that much attention. As long as you've got the rules of the game, you'd be able to complete it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that difficult. Whereas most puzzle games are very much high stakes. If you don't get it right, your character dies or it's game over or something.
0: Well, I, I think Intelligence Cube, Crucial, whatever wherever it's called, I think that's the first time I've ever played most um, classed as a puzzle game. But mm. it's got a survival element to it. Mm. Because it does. If you don't get it right, you get crushed. Oh, and uh, okay. you get you can get crushed. Sorry, you can get crushed and still survive. But if you get it wrong, you lose a part of the stage. You can move on, so you got less room to work with. You lose a whole block of it.
1: Yeah, oh, that's fair enough. Okay.
0: So I, I think it's more like puzzle survival. Sure.
1: Okay. Maybe Certainly wasn't
0: me because I sucked at the game. But.
1: <laughs> so is so what are you doing? Are we keeping that one? Are you keeping yeah, that? Keep it? Yeah, I'm keeping it. Okay. Yeah. So keep that one. Uh, moving on, next game in the list. It's a very short list as the PlayStation Classic, mm. only because you know the games take up a lot of space. Uh, Final Fantasy VII by itself, you're talking about a giga- gigabyte and a half. You know, mm, depending big game on the, yeah, if you if you don't compress it, it's what uh, seven fifty times three, so what just under two nearly 1, two gigabyte, gigs. Gigabyte, gigabytes yeah. But yeah. if you compress it, you can easily get it down to one and a half. And then mm. there's other tips and tricks you can do to. Make it even smaller, but we won't mm. go into that. So next game on the list, I have honestly never heard of this one. It's called Jumping Flash.
0: It's a three D platformer. So if you think like Busby three D, but the platforms are done properly and it's not a half finished game. Okay. I never liked it. I'll be honest. Fair enough. So I'm going to swap it out straight away. All right. What are you swapping it out for? Blazing Dragons. Blaze, you and I will attack in formation Delta Tango Orange. Not or yet, let's just rush in and torch those muggers. Oh, what a game. Because as far as I know in this entire list, there's no point-and-click adventure games.
1: That is very true. That is very it, could,
0: true. it could either be Blazing Dragons or Broken Sword 2. But i go more for Blazing Dragons because that's just comedy from start to finish. That's true, that's true. And, and you actually play as a dragon, so...
1: That is true. Um so the plot of that one is it's based on a, a thing by some of the Monty Pythons. Essentially, what if Camelot, what if Camelot, the story of um the, you know, the King Arthur slaying the dragon or whatever, uh, whoever it was, was told from the dragon's perspective? And, and it was called Camelhot. Yes. And it is genuinely hilarious.
0: Oh, holy moly. It's a great big pile of shit. Huh? censors. That was my best line in
1: the whole game. Um, so, yeah. So you're swapping Jumping Flash out for Blazing Dragons. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's interesting. Okay. So I agree with that. That's, very, that's a very good choice. I agree with swapping out Jumping Flash, but I'm going to swap it out for something else. I'm going to swap mm-hmm. it out for a game that never actually got released in the UK because of a lot of censorship issues. A game that is based on a movie, that is based on a book. Um, that has a I know number, what are you say? Yeah, it has a number of sequels and each one of the sequels gets further and further away from the source material as you continue onwards. And that game is Parasite Eve.
0: Oh, the original movie yeah, that was just pants.
1: Yeah, the the movie was it it's a good story. <laughs> it's a good story, but just the, the effects in the movie are terrible. Like the opening shot is, that
0: snail, that yeah, this, and that snail. Yeah.
1: Oh. This, the opening shot tries to establish that we're watching a snail or a slug make its way along the ground um, and that a crow comes along and eats it. Problem is that it's very clearly a taxidermied uh, crow that is just sort of being shaken about in front of the camera and the camera is being shaken in the opposite direction. So you <laughs> can't really see what it is. And you get the ha ah, ah, ha of the crow, but it's not convincing at all, not even in the slightest. Uh, we're talking Ridley Scott the end of the original print of Blade Runner Um, not very um, not very convincing at all but uh, yeah the story is pretty good so the story if you've never uh, read the book, seen the movie or played the first game is that everyone, every human has shared DNA with one woman if you traverse the family trees all the way back and they call that person mitochondrial Eve and the idea in this book is that We all have, it gets, like, it's science fiction, but science fiction. It's called hard science fiction. There's real science in it. In each of our cells, we have mitochondria, which are a type of living organism that helps the cell to survive. Now, the idea behind the story is what if a being, an entity, could control the will and thought of every single mitochondria on the planet and therefore take over the bodies of people and make them do things? Mm. And that's essentially what Parasite Eve is. Mm. Um, As far as I'm aware, it never got released in the UK because of essentially the very, very famous intro sequence, which Mm. if I can find a YouTube embed of it and you're not watching it with little ones, I'll embed it into the full show notes. Uh, But it is quite drastic, is what I'll
0: say. Considering it was like, what, 98? Yeah. It came out, something like that. The the intro cutscene was pretty full on. Mm Mm-hmm for back then we're not going to mention it we'll we'll embed some you know watch with caution for little kids and what have you yes but we'll not we'll mention the intro but there was a reason why it didn't come out um in the uk and Absolutely. that was mainly the reason why
1: but like gameplay wise do you know what i would uh, you know what right people are going to think i'm crazy for doing this but i would compare it to the vat system in fallout 3 in that when you, it's an RPG, a JRPG, an action JRPG, and when you want to make an attack, you hit your attack button, and a wireframe globe appears around your character. Anything within that globe can be attacked, but it freezes time whilst you choose what to do.
0: So, kind of like Vagrant Story, if you've ever played that.
1: Yeah, right. A little bit like Vagrant Story. In fact, I, you know, it's made by Square Enix, and I would not be surprised if it's the same engine.
0: Hmm. I I'd, I'd describe it as Resident Evil meets Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. In a way. You've got a survival aspect, but then there's leveling up as well.
1: Okay, so. yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, interesting side part about Vagrant Story. If you do it right, I mentioned earlier on, if you compress the games right and use specific tricks, um, you can actually take the Vagrant Story 750 megabyte CD and compress it down to 50 megabytes. Hmm. It is it is amazing. Done that one myself. But anyway, I digress. So the next game on the list is... Um, let's let the guy from the game tell you all about it. Metal Gear. It can't be. It's Metal Gear Solid. Mm. So what are you thinking, Squidge?
0: I'd probably keep it, but I wouldn't play it on the PS1 Classic. Mm. Mainly because I've got a distinct feeling that if it's not the entire game, there'd be certain section of it that would run like a bag of spanners. Yeah, just because of how intensive it is. Yeah, like the um the helicopter battle, and the the descent. I've got a feeling that that would run really slow. Mm. I mean, the game itself is it's fantastic. It's it's top down tactical espionage, with a load of social commentary thrown in, mm-hmm. and you get to fight a ninja. So yeah.
1: Yeah, I would describe it as Hideo Kojima before he lost his mind.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah. A a guy controls another guy with an arm.
1: Exactly. And there's a vampire
0: and uh, a woman that can't be shot.
1: There is a fantastic video. I'll have to link you to it, Squidge. A fantastic video of a guy explaining, I'll put it in the show notes as well, a guy explaining the entire history of Metal Gear games. So from, you know, in chronological order. So the... The order in which they happen in the series not in which they came out right so the chronological order of the games he explains the entire story and then kind of part way through forgets what he's doing and just like this is this is some bad you know some bad shit, crazy fan yeah. fiction bullshit, and just loses his mind it is genius but yeah the first game the first game for the PlayStation, sorry, the first game in the Metal Gear Solid series, is actually really good. I would keep that. I would feel a bit weird if we were doing this for the PS2 because I wouldn't want Metal Gear Solid Two or Three. I could maybe put up with. Oh no, Three was on the PS3, wasn't it? I could maybe. No, put up up on
0: the PS3, oh. Three was um, set during the Cold War.
1: That's right. Yeah. So, if we doing the PS2 the third entry would go out the window and the second entry, I would only keep half of it. But we're not doing the PS2.
0: So... <laughs> Just the tanker section then.
1: Yeah, perhaps for another day. I'm not sure. Mm. Okay, so we've decided to keep Metal Gear Solid. Next on the list, Mr. Driller.
0: Never a big fan. I get rid of it.
1: Yeah, I... Uh... It's got to be a game that's, engr- like I said in the Mega Drive episode, I'm choosing games that are engrossing and fun to play. That's why I've chosen Parasite Eve. That's why I've chosen Driver 2. You know, the these games that I can just throw on, play for 30 seconds and switch off, yeah? yeah. Uh, with that said, I would totally get rid of Mr. Driller um, and replace it with Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> which is famous. from me famously not a game you could play for five minutes and put back down again
0: no if you don't set aside a good like week or so to fully immerse yourself in it there's no point yeah and believe me when you do immerse yourself in it you'll be thankful you did
1: of course absolutely and it is it is it's it's a it's a story and a game that that gives back
0: it's a rollercoaster ride is what it is. It is.
1: It is. You you think, you see, the first time you play through it, you think you're playing through it from Zidane's point of view. You the, know. The, the sort of invert main characters. But what you actually realize after you've played through it and you re sort of revisit it, either in your mind or play it again, you're actually playing it from Vivi's point of view. Which is why Vivi is the... Like, it's why Zidane comes across as a womanizer because that's how Vivi sees him. And that's why Zidane comes across as a risk taker because that's how Vivi sees him because Vivi's still quite young and hasn't experienced the world to the point where when you enter a competition to see how many uh, enemies you could defeat, all he wants, what is it that he wanted? He wanted just like a...
0: It's, um so what do you want? Oh, I don't want anything. you got to have something. Oh, I'll, I'll take a card if I win.
1: Exactly, right? Everyone else wants millions of dollars or you know a sword or some kind of crown or something and he he doesn't know what to take because he doesn't know what's valuable mm-hmm. so he says oh sure i'll just i'll just take a card because
0: and you see steiner as a very noble warrior but a very clueless one as well
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. whereas steiner doesn't actually if you read his dialogue and actually pay attention to his storyline he isn't incompetent he's very competent mm-hmm. all- he's
0: very good at his job it's just how you see him
1: yeah, there's a whole section where he disappears off with Dagger to take her back home, and he protects her, and he looks after her. But because it's told from Vivi's point of view, and he's seeing these caricatures, he's seeing the big, strong, noble warrior who isn't very good at his job, he comes across as incompetent and useless, mm. you know? So it's, it's very much, very, very much a very deep game, I mm. would say. So, yeah, I would happily swap out Mr. Driller for Final Fantasy Nine. What are you swapping out for, Squidge? Pandemonium 2. Oh, talk about your platformer. I know, right? Mm.
0: You want a game that you can just pick up and play? I still don't know the story of Pandemonium 2.
1: I don't think there is a story, other than camera gets shaken about a bit and you run from here to there. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of like it's it's the video game version of Run Lola Run. Nobody really knows what's going on. It's just people running about yeah. the place. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So next on the list for PlayStation uh, Classic games that are built in is uh, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey.
0: I I have a love hate relationship with that game. <laughs> I love it to death, but I can't play it.
1: What I'll say is.
0: Look out! Good
1: Exactly. You know, genius. It's a neat little puzzle game. So, yeah, for, for my money, Oddworld Apes Odyssey stays. Um, it's a shame that they never finished off the story, because the story was meant to be a three or four game arc, not too dissimilar to Shenmue, except that Shenmue spends way too much time going, look, mm-hmm. there's nothing to do. Why don't you walk around for several hours doing nothing instead mm. of avenging your father? Do you know mm. what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those games where you've, there's a there's a time aspect to it, and the longer you spend doing stuff, the less of your brethren you save.
1: Yeah.
0: And the whole the whole aim is to get everyone out of that um, factory because they're going to start using. Abe and his friends as the product. So they're gonna start selling them as meat. Because they will work in his factory and he decides to get everyone out. Yeah. Uh, spoiler if you never played it, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I I definitely keep it because as I say, I love the game but I hate it at the same time. So. Plus okay. the the menu at the beginning, it's Abe's head and he interacts with whatever you click.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So so sort of like Super Mario sixty four, but Abe actually talks directly to you instead of you just stretching his face yeah
1: that's very true that's very true so the next one in the list R4 Ridge Racer Type 4 switch oh interesting okay I've said to keep it but yeah
0: despite the fact I got the special edition with that pad with a steering wheel which I could never figure out with a circle I would switch it for Gran Turismo Interesting. Okay. I, I wouldn't switch it for the second one. I'll switch it for the first, mainly because that was the racing game I had on the PS1. Plus, it gave me a chance to revisit and purchase Mitzi.
1: Yes. The Mitsubishi, what was it, Celica Twin Turbo or
0: something? No, no, no. It was a purple Mitsubishi gt 92 Twin Turbo.
1: That's the one. <laughs> Excellent. Called
0: Mitzi. And that was the only thing I'd drive. Okay.
1: See, whereas. Mm, I was torn with Ridge Racer Type Four because R Four was in was written specifically to use that special edition controller. So we've referenced it a few times. I'll put an image in the show notes, but it's 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 easier for you to see the image than for me to describe it. Imagine a PS One controller, non Dual Shock, a PS One controller, but with a rotary dial in the center.
0: Yeah, that you uh, controlled with your thumb.
1: Yeah, and the idea was you would you would use your right hand the thumb on your right hand to do the acceleration and brake and stuff, but where your left your left thumb would be used to do the D-pad, it would actually be used on the um the rotary dial and you would use that to turn the wheel. And the idea being it was a full analog controller of the steering wheel. The further around you turned it, the further the wheels would turn. Problem is that a lot of racing games on the PlayStation required that dual shock. The R4 Mm -hmm. had this analog controller that was specifically built for it to give it that feeling of more of an immersion, like like more immersive feeling. But the problem was that the problem is that you can't get that controller to work with your PS Classic and you can't get the dual shock controllers to work with the PS Classic because Sony have used a proprietary USB connector. So I'm torn. I want to play Ridge Racer Type 4, but I don't know whether it would work on the, the PlayStation Classic. But for that reason, because I'm so confused, I've decided to keep it.
0: Well, it was it was the you, you actually held the the specialist pad for the game, pretty much like an N64 controller, mm-hmm. which was odd to say the least. It was really weird. You know, I went from a, a a classic PS1 pad to the the R4 pad. I didn't have the analog pad to begin with, and it was just it was really really odd to try and get used to it. Yeah, but I can completely understand why you did that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, you know, with these, the reason why the racing games for the PS2, whilst you could use the D-pad, wanted you to use the analog stickers because you got greater control over the, the oh. actual movement of the vehicle. And the reason why there were, you know, two different versions of the, at least... Resident Evil and Resident Evil Two was because they built in the well three versions of the original Resident Evil and two versions of Resident Evil Two was because mm-hmm. they quickly added support for the dual DualShock controller to give you that sort of analog movement feeling, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not sure works too well with tank controls, at least on the PlayStation. But they does these days. But they it haven't. didn't
0: work too well with the director's cut for the first game. But the less said about that game, the better, I think.
1: Well, I mean, we're going to have to come onto it in a moment. But yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I've decided we'll keep Ridge Racer Type 4 and Squidge mm-hmm. just decided we'll ditch it and swap it for mm-hmm. Gran Turismo, which is interesting. So then the next game is Rayman. Keep. Keep? Okay, interesting. Only because
0: I didn't actually play the full game. I played it up until the point you got your first special ability. Because before that, the button you'd use for that special ability, Rayman would stick his tongue out. He would. He'd go. That's it. That's all I ever played it for to be fair, Call me fickle but i loved it
1: to be fair the whole point of that first rayman game is to be as fun and cutesy and silly to play as possible mm. you know there's no rhyme or reason as to what's going on you're just literally wandering about till you get about halfway through the game and then there is a story so mm-hmm. i totally get it and yeah for that reason as well i would keep it because it's one of the the most beautiful pixel art games on the playstation yeah, You know, there's no 3D models, there's no nothing. It is presented entirely in 2D, and it is gorgeous to look at. Although, I agree with Adrian from Arcade Attack, the best version of it was on the Jaguar, but even so, uh, it is gorgeous to, to play. So, yeah, you need something that shows off just how good the PlayStation can be, and from a graphical point of view, and for me, Rayman is that game. Uh, okay, so we're both keeping Rayman. The
0: uh-huh.
1: the elephant in the room is coming up next. <laughs> and um, we'll talk about the actual game and whether we're going to keep it and swap it out. But I want to talk about the composer. <laughs> so we're talking about Resident Evil Director's Cut. Or, as I oh. call it, a Duty Duty Doot version.
0: No, no, no. That's that's the Dual Shock Edition. Okay. The original Resident Evil had the. Because it's all about music. The original Resident Evil, I think, I could be wrong. I get a little confused when it comes to this. The original Resident Evil had the. Sort of like operatic score for the intro
1: mm-hmm.
0: when it introduced the characters. The director's cut had the hard rock guitar intro, and the 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 dual shock edition went for more of a sort of like operatic composed mm-hmm. version of that. And if you've ever played that, all I'm going to say is the underground. Yes. Not the labs, but the underground.
1: Yes, that's why I call it the stupidy dooty
0: doot version because it might as well just be called Resident Evil Doot.
1: Yes. So, like, the reason I want to bring that up, right, is because <laughs> the um, the soundtrack for that version of the game was written by a guy called Mamoru Mamoru Samu. I'll do it without my Japanese accent, and I'll try it with my Japanese accent. Mamoru mm-hmm. Samuraguchi, right? or Mamoru sama, Samaru Gauchi, right? Mm-hmm. And he was world, well, not world famous, but very, very famous in Japan because he claimed to be a deaf composer. Now there have been hundreds and hundreds of deaf composers over the years. Beethoven was famously deaf and it's not difficult to compose music if you if you are deaf. I remember there being... Well, he
0: he actually had a rod attached to his piano and he bit onto it and he played the music and he heard the, vib- he, the vibrations is what he went off. Yeah, so he had something he bit into, and yeah. then once he knew the music, he didn't need to, he just played it. Of course. So right. that's how he composed his music. As
1: much as you can hear music, you can feel it, right? Yeah. If it's played There's a no
0: reason why phone conductivity it, headphones exist. Exactly, right. They, they clamp just under your ear and you can hear it. Exactly. Which is really, I've, I've used some, they're really weird but good.
1: And what I'll do is I did put out a a series of tweets a few weeks ago about this guy, right? But I'll just read you a statement right now. Remember, from the 80s onwards, he was famous in Japan for being a deaf composer. And the reason that Capcom approached him was because they were like, he can create something that gives us a bit of an edge in Japan. We can say on the box art you know with a new score created by which is you know pretty good because like the original score was created almost like a like you said like a it's actually presented as a radio drama if you get the original original pressing of the soundtrack for the first resident evil game it's presented as a drama which is interesting but then uh, yeah so i'll read you a quote from wikipedia June 2013, a reporter for the magazine Era interviewed Samura Agochi in his apartment in Yokohama, but noticed a number of inconsistencies with Samura Aguchi's deafness statements, including, right, listen to this really, really carefully, including his ability to respond to questions before the sign language interpreter had finished and standing up to answer a doorbell when it rang. Mm. so yeah this guy was known as a deaf composer right um the the interview was was you know was conducted was recorded um as in written down you know but because he'd made so much money as this famous deaf composer he had bought a bunch of media companies and one of those media companies owned the newspaper that it was being reported in And so he used his influence to stop the story from being reported. It was then noted, like, I think 2017, 2018, something like that. He then sort of came forward and went, yeah, I'm not really deaf. And I didn't actually compose anything. I had someone who was a part-time lecturer at Tokyo, at Todai, Tokyo University of Music. Uh, So I said Todai there because... Tokyo Daigaku is Japanese for Tokyo University. He's known as Todai in real life. Um, so he'd hired someone to compose a bunch of music as if he was deaf. And he just continued on with this lie his entire life. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I digress. The reason I brought that up is because Resident Evil Director's Cut is the next game on the list.
0: Which I might add, Resident Evil Director's Cut Dual Shock is what was released because Resident Evil 2 was pushed back. Mm-hmm. The release date for that. Resident Evil was a very difficult game. Not now, obviously, but back then it was a very difficult game because when you got bit, it didn't show. So from Resident Evil 2 onwards, if you got bit too many times, you'd start to hold your side or you'd limp because you're on danger. In the original Resident Evil, that wouldn't happen, so you'd have to go to the menu to see what sort of health status you were Mm on. The director's cut in the original, some of the puzzles were a little different, and you didn't have to complete it to get access to the uh, wardrobe. As soon as you got the armor key, you could go straight to the wardrobe and change your attire. Once you complete it, you unlock more attires. Obviously, just little bits and bobs changed in the game. I'm pretty sure there's. It's either some of the puzzles, or I I can't remember for definite, but I know there was there was like cut and uncut versions of the original and director's cut. There was um. Music differences. I thought that was about it, but the, the director's cut came out with the, it's got a few extra bits and bobs, you know, advertising. It's got a few more things. So same game, a few more things that they tweaked a few things than the original. But the, the dual shock edition is kind of like the, uh, mm, gameplay is fine. The dual shock didn't control as like 3D movement. So if you play the the remastered remake on Steam or whatever you've got it for, whatever console, if you have the 3D controls on whichever direction you push the control stick, you're moving. In the DualShock edition, when I played it, you turned. So instead of using the D-pad to turn and then run classic tank controls, you used a thumbstick and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. I couldn't do it. You could turn the DualShock off and play it as normal. But why you'd play that game as normal just to listen to the... Uh, atrocious music i'm sorry but it is it's absolutely atrocious in the um in the dual shock edition but resident evil director's cut was the second resident evil game i played the first one was resident evil 2 when i got munched the minute i played it so i didn't know what the controls were coming from an arcade and beat em up background i never played a 3d game before yeah resident evil director's cut i definitely keep this if i was feeling that way inclined i would switch it for the dual shock edition just to laugh at it, but then I want to play it normally and the music would drive me nuts. So I definitely keep the, dual, the um, Director's Cut Edition, not the Dual Shock.
1: Okay, interesting, interesting. So the way that I, I'm slightly different, right? So, as much as the Resident Evil Director's Cut makes a number of changes related to the puzzles and making the game sort of a little easier and unlocking certain things a little earlier, I think I prefer the original. So, yeah, that's what I would do. Swap it over for the, the OG version. Mm. But, you know, that's me. That's, that's my decision. I think um, it would be interesting to see what uh, Keith over at Arcade Attack thinks of, uh, of that discussion, um, just to <laughs> see what he reckons. But, yes, um, so that's, yeah, that's Resident Evil. I would say the OG version, Squidge is okay with the director's cut, and that's fine. So mm. that's cool. So what about the next game then? So the next game is called Revelation's Persona. It's the beginning of the Persona series of games. I've never played it.
0: Okay. But if I switched it, I know there's a large section of people who would rip my face off for taking the Persona off that PlayStation Classic. So I keep it on just for safety sake, because I know the Persona games are very popular. Never played one myself. Might be tempted to actually pick one up and try it. But I'd never played a Persona game, but then again, I know it's a very popular, so I wouldn't switch it just for my own safety sake. So I keep it on there just to keep myself safe.
1: So I would recommend Persona 4. I know that one's really good, but that's more because of the aesthetic of it and the way that it plays Uh, and the music. it's, It's wonderful. Revelations Persona is the start of that series of games. So I would say... Yeah, it's worth keeping from my point of view because it's loads of fun to play. The whole series is fun to play. If you like JRPGs that are very story-driven, and most JRPGs are story-driven, then I would say Revelations Persona is definitely a game that you want to play. Mm. So I, w- I would keep that on my my unlimited budget PlayStation Classic. Um, so yeah, I would keep that one. So then I guess the next one is Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, which is... Switched out. Yeah, I before you could even before I could say it, you've already said it. So yeah, what what would you switch it out for, Squidge?
0: I'd switch it out for a game that didn't show up on this PlayStation Classics list, considering that the game was meant to be a Sega Saturn exclusive, but it didn't really turn out that well. I would exchange it for a game that is disturbingly lacking in this list, which is the original Tomb Raider.
1: Yeah, one of my looking at this list when it first when they first announced the games that would be on it. So they announced one or two games and then they said more coming soon. Yeah, I I I am as surprised as you as uh, the lack of Tomb Raider games because you know that became the selling point of of PlayStation until Metal Gear Solid came out, I would argue that Lara Croft was the mascot
0: for the PlayStation. Uh, you know. I was surprised that if not Tomb Raider, the second one wasn't on here. Yeah, because that was the exclusive. Yeah. Well, that was its shining thing until you had like the PC ports and what have you. Yeah. But you know, it went to people most commonly associated Tomb Raider with the PS2, uh, the PS1. Yeah. At that point, when Tomb Raider Two came out, and that's when they wasn't really treating the mascot very kindly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a bit, a bit odd. All the advertising aimed at. Young adults. I wasn't exactly a young adult at that point. I spent most of my time in the second game specifically blowing Lara up <laughs> with the, the code. You you jumped backwards. You jumped forwards instead of backwards for um, the exploding, I believe. And you jump backwards in the particular series of movements to get all weapons and stuff. I just reveled in the fact that I could blow Lara up at any point. <laughs> um, but that was the second one. I'm really surprised that they didn't have second one. I'd have gone for the first one at the very least, but I was really surprised they didn't have the second one on there.
1: I think the potential problem is that um, the rights for Tomb Raider are still sort of split between Eidos and Square Enix. So, mm-hmm. you know, Crystal Dynamics doesn't exist anymore, so they don't have yeah. it anymore, but Eidos still exists because of Tomb Raider. Like, Eidos yeah. haven't really done anything else, I don't think. And so, you know, since it's the one thing that could make them money, I would presume that you know, Square Enix had said you can have a Final Fantasy or you can have a Tomb Raider.
0: Yeah. Or, and they went for Final Fantasy. Exactly,
1: right, because they're hedging their bets because there ain't no there isn't a Tomb Raider remake coming out this year, there's a Final Fantasy remake coming out this year. Mm. So I totally get that. But what I would do is I would swap out Super Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo for Resident Evil
0: Two. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I can see that. Because that feels like a complete misstep, in my opinion. That feels like Mm. a misstep in... like So the, the PlayStation Classic came out last year, 2019, right? Just about before Resident Evil 2 Remake came out. So they could have totally... If you swap out Super Puzzle Fight or something for Resident Evil 2 and go, hey, get ready for the Resident Evil 2 Remake by playing the original on the PlayStation Classic that's free advertising right there. Yeah. You know, but then maybe, you know, maybe Capcom said you can't do anything to do with Resident Evil 2 because we've got Resident Evil 2 coming out and people go get confused mm. and mistake your adverts for our adverts. So maybe that's it. Mm. But yeah, Resident Evil 2, definitely. So the next one on the list, and there's only like five more after this. The next one on the list is Siphon Filter.
0: I'd swap that for the third one. Mm.
1: Ooh, Siphon Filter 3? hmm Okay. Interesting.
0: I, I played 1, 2, and 3, and I much preferred the third one. It was much more refined at that point. Mm. It had a few more tricky levels to play, and it just felt more fluid than the first two. Um, so I much preferred the third one, so I'd flip it out for the third one.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Um, I originally wrote down on my list that I would keep Siphon Filter because... I was oming and over swapping siphon filter for Resident Evil three, and part of me was like, "You're just turning this into a Resident Evil machine." Um,
0: yep. So, and then you swap swap one from out for Survivor, oh, God, and then... no. <laughs> yeah. oh, I would. Oh, oh no, no,
1: no, not that whole. My friend Leon S Kennedy. No, not at all. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. Turn around shooting zombies. <laughs> exactly right. That game was terrible, but then that's because it wasn't made by Capcom. But um, yeah, I think I would keep Siphon Filter. You need that sort of, you need something that's a little bit more actiony and a bit more um, sort of action packed because we haven't really got anything in this list so far that's really action packed. We've got a few, tit- mm-hmm. we've got a few titles, but nothing that's really action packed yet. We've got some fighters, we've got some RPGs, but yeah, so I would mm-hmm. keep uh, Siphon Filter um, or at least an entry from the Siphon Filter series, and then you know, four from the bottom. We've got Tekken 3. I'd swap it. Oh, really? Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Talk me through why before you tell me what you're going to swap it for.
0: Tekken 3, despite the fact it is a truly awesome game, Mm -hmm. has got too many characters that have got a one-hit-kill move that you can spam.
1: Yeah, that's true. Warang,
0: Forest Law, not Martial Law. You've got Warang, Forest Law, Gun, Dr. B., Yoshimitsu seems to be a pain in, the in this one. You've got Ogre. I can't pronounce the name, but the one that slaps everything. Panda slash Kuma, because that's basically just a, a palette swap for Gun Jack. You know, there's, there's um, Eddie Gordo, which you just push left and right in the two kicks and you beat the crap out of anyone. There's There's nine characters that you can just spam one or two moves and you win. That's it. There's very little skill involved. At all, and it's very rage inducing if you're playing against someone who just uses one character all the time with the same set of moves and kicks your teeth in when you're, you're taking the time to learn everyone's combos. It really does my nutting when that happens, sure. So that's why I'm swapping it.
1: I could totally understand that, and yeah, I kind of agree that Tekken 3 is not very well balanced now, nah. but. It does have Tekken Force mode, and my my original thought was I'm going to swap out Tekken Three for Tekken Two, but Tekken Two doesn't have Force mode. Tekken Two is really well balanced, really well constructed fighting game, but Tekken Three not balanced, but it does have Tekken Force mode. So I ended up keeping it just specifically for Tekken Force because it's Streets of
0: Rage esque. Mm-hmm.
1: But what are you going to swap it for, Switch? Tekken Two. Oh, right,
0: I see. Because of the more balanced gameplay.
1: Tekken 2.
0: You see, I had the same argument with myself, but... It's it's a much more balanced game by the time you get to, like, Devil yeah. Kazuma. You're, you're forced to know a lot of the combos, and it's kind of like Dark Souls in a way, mm-hmm. where it's it's harsh on you but by that time you should know how to play the game yeah. how to fight the combos the grabs how to dodge how to block so i'm gonna swap it for tekken 2 just because it's a very fair fighting game and it's mostly balanced apart from a few bits okay and i'm not really bothered about the um the tekken force mode because i've got Streets of rage for that that's fair enough
1: okay so that's tekken 3 so the the last three games right in at number three Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Switch. Yeah, I thought that, exactly. The first-person shooters on the PlayStation were never any good. The first Medal of Honor game was really good.
0: Um, yeah, but that was built specifically for the hardware. Though.
1: Exactly, right? Whereas, you know, Tom
0: Clancy... You, you couldn't really put it on a on a classic. Exactly.
1: You know, the, the, the Rainbow Six series of games are more tactical shooters, so, you you know, right. they're not really that well built for the experience of a PlayStation they were they were good on the PC but not on the PlayStation and I could totally see why they uh, ported it over and why they wanted it on the uh, classic but yeah now swapping it out straight away so so I'm going to swap it for Gran Turismo (laughs)
0: <laughs> you
1: know, uh, you swap Destruction Derby for Gran Turismo. I'm swapping no, this.
0: No, I, I I swapped Ridge Racer Four for sorry, Gran Turismo.
1: Ridge Racer Four. Yeah, sorry, I should really pay more <laughs> attention. <laughs> yeah, you swapped <laughs> Ridge Racer Four for Gran Turismo, whereas I'm swapping this for Gran Turismo. <laughs> what are you swapping it for?
0: Life Force Tanker Oh. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. The game I will happily fight first-person controls on a PS1 to play because it was just awesome. Yes. And hard as balls as well, I might add. <laughs> That's
1: true. That is very you're true. You're an
0: android. You're some sort of android robot guy, and an AI is talking to you, and it's sassy. Mm-hmm. And you've got to do mission objectives and stuff, and the sassy AI is trying to help you, and you're, f- you're flinging insults at it as well. Yep. And being sarcastic back. So I
1: agree with you completely. So that's Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. You're swapping it for Life Force Tanker. I'm swapping it for Gran Turismo. Mm-hmm. Well. The final two games on the list are Twisted Metal and Wild Arms. Now, I'll jump in really quickly and say that I'm happy with keeping both of those, mm. um, but I'm interested to find out what you have to say, Squidge.
0: Um, I change one of them.
1: Ooh, okay. So let me see if I can guess which one. I'm gonna say Wild Go
0: Arms. All right, and what would I change it
1: for? Uh, 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 oh, Gobble.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's a. If if I had the chance, I'd hide that all to myself again.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, uh, what about? Uh, no, I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's actually Twisted Metal.
1: Okay, so you would swap Twisted Metal. What are you gonna swap it for?
0: I'd swap it for the second Twisted Metal.
1: Okay, so twisted metal goes out the window. Twisted
0: metal two comes in, it's basically because it's it's a bit more refined. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah. and slightly different characters and. and different well, it's it's,
0: it's a few more characters, and it's it plays a little better, and in my opinion, anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I would switch it for the second one, straight away.
1: Okay,
0: but Wild Arms, I'd leave because there's you, you need a couple of RPGs on here that aren't Final Fantasy. And uh, Persona, you need something a little bit different.
1: That's true. That's true. I I totally get that. I mean, I got around that by having Parasite Eve, but yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. You need something with a little bit more length to it, and Wild Arms gives you that. I totally Mm. understand that. Okay. Any honorable mentions? If you had a few extra megabytes of space, you'd throw on there.
0: Well, I wouldn't, because I don't think it'd handle it. Well,
1: what would you put
0: on that? It's not even going to get honourable mentions because I don't think the hardware can handle it.
1: (laughs) Okay, let's imagine we have an unlimited budget to replace the £20 um, arm chip with a £30 arm chip and be able to actually produce a relevant experience.
0: (laughs) Okay, so if I could put... There'd be two honourable mentions if I could put games on there. First of all, it would be Parasite Eve 2. Of course. And second of all, I would put Battlerina Tosh Eden back on it.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Because I would I would flip it for Soul Blade in a heartbeat, but I'd like to play it as well.
1: Interesting. Do you know what I think is the most interesting thing about that? Is mm-hmm. no Dino Crisis.
0: Well, no, because Dino Crisis is too special to uh, put on a port machine that can't handle the main menu.
1: Fair enough. That's a really good point.
0: So I'd rather play it on the original, original hardware, okay, or risk the the port to PC or even the port to Dreamcast, because uh, yeah, I'd rather play it on the PS One original, not not the PS One, the PSX, because right. I had the PSX, the big bulky uh, gray Tardis yeah. of the uh, the two, yeah, yeah. So we need. Yeah, to I'd add- rather play it on that. Okay,
1: that's that's cool. That's interesting. Okay, so you wouldn't play Downer Crisis on on a PlayStation Classic, just because you need the aesthetic of actually running a real machine. That makes yeah. perfect sense to me.
0: The load times of putting the disc in, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the safe space on your memory card, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah.
1: Excellent. Okay, cool. Uh, in that case, then, that's that's an amazing list. I don't have any other honourable mentions. There are lots of games for the PlayStation that are, are really good that should be on this list, but... Mm. Um, I guess... It's oh, I'm sorry.
0: It's, it's just the, the hardware of the Classic. I'm just... I've seen some of the laggy games on it. I mean, Tekken 3, you can see it in Tekken 3. Yeah. If you watch gameplay of it, it's just... I would play Tekken 3 on the Classic, but I'd be cursing just because it's slower. Oh, of
1: course. I mean, the the 50 that I have that costs less than the PlayStation Classic, that is a handheld machine the size of maybe... I don't know. It's,
0: it's, it's, a little, it's a little bit wider than a GBA. Yeah,
1: right. It's, Classic GBA. it's tiny and it has HDMI output on it and it's got oodles of space on it and that can handle all of these games at full speed. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Sony really phoned this in, you know. and
0: I, I think it was quite a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, we need some out quick.
1: Do you know what? I don't...
0: By Christmas, because it came out in... It was either November 2018 or December 2018. It was just in time for the Christmas rush. I push. don't think it was nowhere Nowhere had them.
1: I think, I think part of it is that, but I think part of it was also we can get something out, but we'd better not undercut ourselves because if this device gives a better experience than playing any of the classic games on the PS4 from the PlayStation Network, no one's going to buy them on the PlayStation Network, are they? So Um, I can totally see where you're coming from, but I think it's more, let's not undercut ourselves by offering a better
0: experience there. For for the price of what it was originally put out of, PlayStation Classic, which wasn't cheap Mm -hmm. when it first came out, you could have got Resident Evil 2 Remake and still had change.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah,
0: yeah. And I would spend more time on Resident Evil 2 Remake than I would on a PS Classic, PS1 Classic. I'm sorry to keep bashing it, but it's just...
1: I agree completely.
0: It it seems very hastily put together, and they didn't pick the the right parts, and it's just... Absolutely. It's it's a shame, an absolute shame that they didn't put more time and effort into it or try to use cheaper parts. Do
1: you know what's what's the most interesting part? is that the NES Classic and the SNES Classic uses exactly the same hardware. So you are kidding? I'm me. not kidding you at all. The exact same hardware, and um, it was down to the wonderfully named Nintendo Europe Research Division, or Nerd, to actually come up with <laughs> individual emulators for each of the games. And what's amazing about that is it's the same hardware across both of those, which means that the Snes Classic can play the PlayStation games, but also the NES Classic can as well. <laughs>
0: What, with the same pad? I
1: mean, yeah.
0: You, that will be a hell of an interesting thing, try to play Final Fantasy VII with the NES pad. You've
1: got no way of mapping the controller, but yeah, you can totally do it. It's <laughs> an impossibility. So what I'm saying I mean, is, you
0: could for Pandemonium 2, because it's just jump.
1: Yeah, yeah, but what I'm gaining at, right, is the <laughs> the NES Classic, which came out three years before, and therefore mm. would have been even cheaper for them to copycat the hardware from, because it wouldn't have been as expensive for Sony to build it. That would have been, it would have been cheaper to build one of those than it would have been to um, foots their way through a really horrendous hardware design in the hopes that mm-hmm. it would work and then go, oh crap, we don't actually have these games, so we may as well just do a Google for PlayStation ROM website, download the first version of each game that we find. Yeah. It was incredibly shoddily thrown together.
0: See, if, if copyright and rights for a game wasn't a problem... And you could include games that weren't really finished. Mm-hmm. I would actually put in Thrill Kill. Yeah. Because that, that wasn't meant to be sort of... Because a lot of people say, oh, it's like, you know, it's it's got very adult themes. You know, you beat the crap out of them. There's the, the characters are very questionable and adult themed. No, it was meant to be a maniacal beat the crap out of someone, much in the way of Mortal Kombat 2. Yeah, a similar reception. Um, Sort of, oh, how could you do it? But... I can't remember who had the rights or who maintained the rights after the st- a studio went down or something. It was something on the lines of, they w- it was a part, it was nearly finished, but they shelved it because of reasons. It wasn't the reasons of it had, like, adult themes to it. And by that, I mean, like, gore and violence and the characters. But it was just basically, they shelved it.
1: So, yeah, I've recommended them a lot already in this episode, and we talk about them almost constantly, but um, Arcade Attack did a two-part episode on Thrill Kill. Uh, one where they sort of just discussed it and looked through what information there is available online. And mm. then they also went through and listened to, uh, and they interviewed uh, some of the folks behind it. And it did turn out as if it was very much like the original design was almost like Smash Brothers before Smash Brothers happened. Let's take mm. these characters out of their reality and drop them into this position where they're being controlled by you know, some kind of outer outside force, almost like a god hand. Quite literally, in Smash Brothers, it is a god hand, but in yeah. this case, it was uh, hell or something. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of problems with with bringing Thrill Kill into uh stuff like that. But then, you know, it would be wonderful to actually play it on an official release, but that's never going to happen because of the controversies around it.
0: Mm. Uh, I mean, I I played it. I managed to get my myself a copy of it, and it was, was really fun. It was, the characters were insane. It was really fun. But I can see why they didn't want to release it. If
1: you take it for what it is, an absurd fighting game, totally. Mm. But the problem is that even to this day, you know, people, the large majority of the populace see video games as a kids play thing. Um, (laughs) So they get upset when something that is genuinely meant for, you know, like it's, it's almost as if, it's as if, if I said to you, all movies are for kids. And then you go, but what about this movie over here that's all about like Scream or a yeah. Frankenstein movie or, or a vampire movie? You know, it's the same gut reaction of, But there are scary things, we must protect that. And the the yeah. the problem is that with all art forms you have the ability to you're putting into it what you want, you know, rather than rather than what someone else wants.
0: But it's 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 that gut reaction of oh what someone think about the children exactly. well it's 18 rated for a reason
1: exactly you,
0: you wouldn't take a small child who's less than two to go see sinister would you well let's face it
1: that's true i, I feel despite
0: like an american couple tried to
1: <laughs> i feel like we're ending up on another rant about censorship and uh, age ratings and people who don't quite pay attention but but yeah that's i feel like that's a
0: best b- not to do that yeah 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 Yeah.
1: But, yeah, that's that. That was our list of uh, PlayStation games that we'd like to see on a piece of hardware. Is, mm. you know, as if we have, if we had a million dollar budget,
0: what would we put on there? And yeah,
1: um, yeah and I think. That's a- well, to
0: be honest, if I had a million-dollar budget, I would just re-release the PS One. Yeah, exactly. With right. with a little adapter, so you can have a hard drive full of games inside the case. Million dollars. There's budget, enough room
1: for it. You just buy a PlayStation and an HDMI adapter, and yeah, you swap the laser out for an SD card reader that's what you do you know?
0: yeah and it would be a butch on cheaper than what sony did i think
1: oh definitely yeah yeah definitely and it would be yeah you're right you would buy a second hand playstation the majority of bits that die on the playstation are the lasers because they were cheap so you swap that out for an sd card reader and you're away to, you're away you know there's mm. no mess no fuss sorted in it
0: yeah so sony next time you want to release something like that just give me a tinkle and I'll uh, tell you the best thing to do.
1: Exactly, exactly. Give Squidge a
0: tinkle. There Every we go.
1: Every time you have an idea, hashtag Give Squidge t- a tinkle.
0: That's gonna go down so <laughs> wrong.
1: Excellent. So that was that's our list of uh, PlayStation games we would love to see on a PlayStation Classic if we had the budget and assuming that the hard work could actually play the games. Um, mm. Let us know what you thought, uh, whether you would swap any of those games out, whether we'd swapped games out that have potentially caused you to go, no, you shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, what are your games that you would swap out? if you were to do this. Would you even do this, you know? Or would you just be happy with what there are? Would you um download the the software to in Boney Quartz, hack the PlayStation and replace all the games on there? Would you get a SNES classic and do it that way? Because the SNES Classic, like I said earlier, is able to handle the emulation of the PlayStation games a lot better than the PlayStation Classic can. So let us know, either on the comments on the website or via Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Give us no. a shout. We're really interested to find out what you all think uh, but with that yeah. that being said uh, I think that'll do it for this episode as well mm. so uh, thanks for hanging out with me Squidge ah, no worries <laughs> and uh, maybe we'll see if we can do some PlayStation games in the future how's that just sit and play PlayStation games because it's been mm. a while but anyway yes um, with mm. that being said um, I'll see you later Squidgey see you later Squidgey <laughs> remember rocks. Intro music is Behind the Lines by Ian Sutherland. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectral Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Pallad cleansing music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by De Gay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.